thank you, Tim, for leading uh, the team through sharing this story and just some of the remarkable things that God did. It's exciting to hear about that and to hear some of the stories um, and uh, see this continued partnership. Uh, it's one of the things that we've dreamed about as it relates to making a difference in the world. And so we're excited about opportunities that God provides for us. I want to thank uh, Keith and Bill for filling in for me the last few weeks. And so as I came back in the office at the beginning of this week, started to um, plow through all the emails that were there and follow up on all the things that had happened in, in church life um, this past week, I started to turn my attention to thinking about the fall and what is coming next, what is God has for us uh, that is next. And I realized there's a lot of things that are getting started this time of year. Um, you know, sports practices are starting and scrimmages are beginning for uh, students that are involved in that and, and band camp is happening and teachers are going to in-service days and college students are headed back to some of them starting college and some of them heading back to college and, and some of you are trying to squeeze in your last trip down to the beach to soak in those last few, you know, warm summer rays. And, um, and so a lot of the relaxing days of summer are coming to a close and the busy, packed full days of fall are about what we're ready to head into. And as we're about ready to make that transition, um, I realize there's uh, a lot of you going through those kinds of transitions. Uh, some of you will be starting in a new class this year. Some of you might be starting in a new school. Maybe some starting in a new job. Maybe you're visiting here at CCC, and so a church experience is something that's new for you. And so as we're preparing for that, I, and I thought about, well, there's some things we're going to do this fall, and I wanted to tell you about those things, but I want to talk about the transition. And, and this fall, beginning next week, we're going to do a series entitled Follow. One of the things that Jesus said was he invited people to follow him. And we want to spend a couple weeks looking at what does it mean to follow Jesus. Not what does it mean to believe in Jesus, but what does it mean to follow Jesus. Because that's what he invited people to do. And so we're going to spend several weeks looking at that. And then we're going to take and tackle a subject that we've never tackled here at CCC before um, in this kind of a way. You know, one of the things that you know if you look at the media and you look at marketing, is there's one thing that they use to sell everything these days. Anybody know what that one thing is they use to sell everything these days? Anybody going to say it out loud in church? Sex, right? They use that to sell everything. You all knew what I was going to say. I could see it in your faces. And, and so we're bombarded with this. Our kids are bombarded with this everywhere. And the truth is, God's the one that started all of this, because God created that, but we never talk about that or rarely talk about that in the context of the church. So we're going to take a look at what does God have to say about this, regardless of your place in life. We're going to talk about the struggles that we face because of this being a misuse and abuse in our culture today, and dive into that later this fall. But before we get to all of those things, I thought, you know, we're at a transition point. You know, summer's coming to an end, fall's about to begin, and, and my mind went to some words that God gave to one of uh, the great leaders in the land of Israel, and that's a, a guy by the name of Joshua. And I thought, Let's just take a few minutes and look at some of the things that God had to say to Joshua. If you have a Bible with you, if you would turn to Joshua chapter 1 or on your phone or tablet, Joshua chapter 1, um, our guys have some Bibles. It's the sixth book in the Bible, that, so you can turn through the first five books and get to Joshua chapter 1. And As you're turning to Joshua chapter 1, let me tell you what's happening in the, in the history of Israel at this time. The people of Israel had left Egypt. And after they had left Egypt, um, they were ready to go in the promised land, the land we know now as the land of Israel. Well, it's, to walk that, it's only a few weeks' journey to get from the land of Egypt to the land of Israel. It's not that far. Um, 
But as they were preparing to go into that location, um, God gave them some instructions. And we're going to see a little bit later what those instructions were. But as they, they prepared to go into that, that new situation, they didn't follow God's instructions. The result was they spent 40 years walking in circles. Literally, 40 years walking in circles. Um, the wandering in the wilderness is what some call it. At the end of that time, Moses, the leader of the people of Israel, died. And his right-hand man, Joshua, is now put in charge. And God is giving some words to his right-hand man, Joshua, as he's about to lead the nation of Israel. And so that's where I want us to dive in. If you have your Bibles or if you want to follow on the screen, look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Moses said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm out to give to them, to the Israelites. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to take a stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your ancestors to give to them. And so what God has said to Joshua is he said a couple pretty significant things. He said, he said, everywhere your foot steps, every place you walk in this new land, I'm going to give this to you. Just like I promised Moses, I'm going to fulfill that promise to you. And he says, he describes the geographic boundaries of where this land is going to be. And then he says this statement in verse 5. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. A promise that's still true today for the people that follow God and the people that they claim to, to want to live for God. He says, no matter what you're facing, no matter what the challenge is, I can't promise that I'm going to make your pain go away. I can't promise that you're always going to be happy. I can't promise that you're not going to struggle. But I will promise that I'll be with you no matter what it is that you're going to face. And then he invites them to be strong and courageous. And then in verse 7, he repeats that same thing. He says, be strong and courageous. And that's the first thing that I want to encourage you to do. And the first thing I want to encourage you to do is stay in the battle. Stay in the battle. Think about Joshua's situation for a moment. He's leading an army of slaves who now have been wandering in the desert. They haven't had to work because God has provided food for them. Their shoes and their clothes, the Bible tells us, didn't wear out for 40 years. Wouldn't that be wonderful, guys? You didn't have to go clothes shopping for 40 years. I mean, that would be like seventh heaven, you know. Um, and, and that's how they lived. So they, didn't, they were slaves for 400 years, and now they get this 40-year window where they're just wandering, and God's given them everything they need. And they're about to go conquer a land. Conquer a land. Um, most of us don't know about conquering lands. The closest thing we know to conquering lands is playing the game of risk or something. You know, that's the closest thing we know about conquering a land. But there was no army. There was no weapons. There was no battle plan. The only plan was, wherever you go, God's got you covered. You're not going to lose. That's the only plan. The only plan. I don't know about you, but I like to have a plan. And when we have to go somewhere, I often say to my wife or my daughter, what time do we have to leave? I need a time that we have to leave. And I try to remember and say, is there anything you need my help with? And 
So when that time to leave comes up, I'm generally going to be in the car at that time waiting, you know, even if it didn't work out for everybody else because I know what the plan is and I'm going to try to execute the plan. But God didn't really give them any plan. He just said, I'm going to take care of it. I got it all covered. And in the midst of that, he says to Joshua, he says, I want you to be strong. Be strong. Now, I don't think he's talking about him going to the gym and maxing out on his reps. I don't think that's what he's calling him to do. But I think he's talking about a spiritual strength, an emotional strength. It's pretty remarkable for this young guy. We don't really know where it came from, but we know a little bit more of Joshua's story. If you wind the clock back a little bit, the people of Israel, right after they left Egypt, they sent some scouts to recon the land of Israel, find out what the challenge was going to be like. The scouts came back. Eight of the scouts, excuse me, ten of the scouts, they said, um, it's unbelievable. The crops, the plenty, the beauty, it's unbelievable what's there. This is going to be an amazing place. But the problem is, they're fortified cities, there's giants, and we're going to die. So we shouldn't do it. Two of, the, two of the spies came back and said, it's an amazing place, it's remarkable. Yes, there's fortified cities, but our God is with us. We can do this. Well, if you know anything about the story, you know that the people of Israel listened to the ten spies. And they started complaining to Moses. They said, why did you bring us out here to die? Can we just go back? Can we just go back? And God said to the people of Israel, because of your lack of faith, all of you who are adults right now, you will not see that promised land. You're never going to get there. But Joshua and Caleb and everyone under the, everyone who's going to be born is going to enter that promised land. And I thought about that. I thought, what enabled Joshua to have the courage, likely as a young man, we spent time with this last year looking at the life of David, as a young man to stand up to the other spies, to stand up to his parents and peers, to stand up to all those people and say, no, God can help us do this. I know it doesn't seem possible, but God can help us do this. There was some kind of an internal strength that this man had. And I believe what God was doing is he was just reinforcing that. He's saying, Joshua, I want you to be strong. I think he could have easily said, you have been and I want you to continue to be strong 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 to do the things that are hard strong to do the things that don't come easy to be able to be honest to be able to speak the truth to be able to wade into conflict to be able to deal with sin to be able to believe that God's going to do the impossible as you think about your life today what battle do you anticipate battles do you anticipate you're going to face this fall What do you anticipate you're going to face? Some of you already know what that is. You know, students, as you go back to school, you, you want to be accepted, you want to fit in, you want to hang out with your friends, but you see some of them making some choices and some of their morals and some of their decisions. You know those things aren't right, but you don't want to be ignored and you don't want to be left out. And what are you going to choose to do when you're at that crossroads? Maybe as we've been talking about David's struggles this summer, God has pushed into some of your own personal struggles. 
And you're aware of some things that have been kind of nagging there in the back of your mind. And you've just ignored them. You've ignored them. Your spouse has mentioned them. A friend has mentioned Just ignored it. Ignored it. And you, are, you know now is the time. This fall is the time for you to face this struggle. And not ignore it any longer. Maybe a relationship that matters to you is struggling. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a relationship with one of your kids. Maybe students, you're just having a really tough time with mom and dad right now. And that's the battle that you're going to face this summer. Maybe God has put someone in your life that it's really, really, really hard to love. And you have no desire to love them. And God says, I want you to love them. And I want you to love them well. And so what's the struggle going to be? What's the battle going to be for you this fall? And not only does I think he talk about standing in the battle about being strong, but look at the second half of that verse. The second half of that verse is he says to be courageous, to be courageous. And to have courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. The ability to do something that frightens you. Last week, Bill talked about fears and uh, I don't know how many of you were here and were thinking about fears that he was talking about. As I thought about fears, it was a very real um, struggle for me, which is new. I'm not someone that's ever struggled with fears. I usually don't fear what other people will think. I usually don't fear about the future. I usually, I, I just don't live with many fears. For those of you that live with that, it's very hard for me to understand it because I just don't live with a lot of fears. But something changed when I had that heart attack earlier this summer. Because all of a sudden, without warning, I started to experience fear. When I got in the car to drive by myself the first time after I got out of the hospital, I felt fear. When I had to come up here and speak for the first time, I felt fear. When I walked into my office and sat down at my desk to do my job, I felt fear. When I got on my bike to ride again by myself, I felt fear. I thought, what is going on? What is happening? And as I sat with this and thought about it and wrestled with it, I realized what was going on is I was afraid that that attack that I had that came on just like that, it was sudden, no warning, was going to happen again. That's what I was afraid of. And I had to think through and I had to say, is there any reason I shouldn't be doing the things I'm doing? Am I, am I ignoring the doctor? Nope, I'm doing exactly what the doctor said. The doctor's freed me to do these things. He said you can do those things. And so there's a fear inside of me that's not really real. It exists. It's not really real, but I've got to do something about it. The hard part is in the Bible, and God says it to Joshua a couple verses later. He says, fear not. Well, I I can't not fear, but what do I do when the fear comes up, when it shows up? What do I do with it? A few years ago, I had someone give me an acronym that has helped me a lot when I face these things. And it's an acronym for the word fear, and it's this. It's false events appearing real. Anybody heard that before? False events appearing real. A couple of you. Um, And so as I thought about that, I thought, how often when I feel fear, is it something that's not really real, something I've imagined, I've conjured up in my mind? It appears real to me, but it really isn't real. Now, are there some fears that are real. Yes, there are some fears that are real. And we do what we can to address those. But much of what we find ourselves fearful of falls into this 
category. And so we have to stop and think about what that is and face that and say, God, just like you heard Gabby share her story of how she was afraid and, and she wasn't sure she could make it, and you heard Mel share her story, and, and as they talked to God and as they walked towards it, God did some remarkable things in freeing them from those fears. The Bible says a lot of times, fear not, fear not. But I think the challenge for us is to identify that fear and to walk towards it and with God's help and God's strength to have the courage to face whatever that, that fear is. So the first challenge for you this, as we make this transition from the summer to fall, the first challenge, um, I just drew a blank on what my first challenge was. Sorry about that. My first challenge is to stay in the battle. That's my first challenge. The second challenge is to stay on track. Stay on track. And you say, what do you mean, stay on track? Well, look at the, next ver- the rest of that verse 7, what Joshua, God says to Joshua. He says, be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gives you. Don't turn from the right or the left. Then you may be successful wherever you go. Really, what God is saying to Joshua is the exact same thing he said to Moses. And go back and read in Deuteronomy 11 over and over again. And, and God says, I, I'm inviting you into this relationship to love God with everything that you have. And if you love God with everything that you have, God has mapped out this way to follow Him, this way to live life. And this way to live life is going to result in often many good things in your life. And He says the same thing here. He says, don't turn this way or that way. And He says, God's going to walk with you. God's going to go with you. You say, well, John, is that going to guarantee those things? It's not going to guarantee those things, but it's going to make the way that you live life very, very different. You know, often we've heard this idea that, that following God and obeying God is going to require me to do a lot of things I don't want to do and keep me from doing things I do want to do. And I want to present a different approach to you that says when we follow God, when we obey God, it doesn't keep us from those things, but it opens us to enjoy the life that God has for us in a very different way. You say, what do you mean by that, John? Well, earlier this year, my wife and I had an opportunity to go cross-country skiing. And um, <clears throat> for some of you, that's a very inviting picture. Some of you are dreading the sight of that picture because it means snow. But um, as you see that cross-country ski um, um, trail, you'll notice on the left side, my left side there, um, of the picture, that you'll see these, these tracks. And this is part of a it's groomed, and obviously the snow, and so they take this wide path, and then they take, I'm not exactly sure how they do it, I haven't seen them do this, I don't know if it's on the same machine or a different machine, but then they create these grooves. And so as my wife was kind of getting out there, I said, why don't you get in the grooves? And so she put her skis right in the groove, and she's kind of figuring out how to do this in the grooves, and she's like, wow, this is kind of pretty easy. And she's gliding all along, and every once in a while I hear, oh, you know, because she was not concentrating, she'd fall out of the grooves. But then she'd get back in the grooves and keep going, you know. And so I thought, well, that looks pretty easy. I thought, well, I'm going to try something a little more challenging. You know, I always want to try to stretch myself, challenge myself. So but I'm going to get in the side over here. And this is right around the time of the, the Winter Olympics. You know, so I'd seen these guys, the, the Nordic skiers out there, you know, and they got the skis and you got them pointed out like this, trying to do this, not kick, not kick yourself and fall over and trip and everything. And, you know, people go flying by you. But, you know, so we did this for, you know, a number of hours. And um, it was a very enjoyable, great time. But the next day... My wife's like, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. And I'm like, I can't hardly move. 
I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't bend, I couldn't squat like this, and if I got down, I couldn't get back up, you know? I, I couldn't bend over to tie my shoe. I, I could not hardly move. And it was all because I wasn't in the tracks. That was the only reason. If I would have stayed in the tracks, I would have been fine. And you notice the people in the tracks and outside, the, they're on the same path. You experience some of the same things. But what comes, what comes along the way? A lot of pain, a lot of agony, a lot of aches and soreness and struggles. And I think this is a great picture, this whole idea of obeying God. Because sometimes we think, if I obey God, I'm not going to get to experience some of these great things. You're going to get to experience some of these great things. If you disobey God, you know what? You're going to get to experience some great things as well. But there's going to be a lot of pain and ache and suffering along the way if you're outside of the track. See, sometimes we've painted the fact that if you're outside the track, your life is going to be hard. There's plenty of people outside of God's track who life is really good for them. But when they hit the struggles and they don't have this sense of God's presence with them, it's going to be really, really hard. And so stay in the battle. Stay in the track. And one last challenge, and that's stay in God's word. Stay in God's word. Look what God says to Joshua there in verse 8. He says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that when you may be careful to do everything written on it, then you will be prosperous and successful. The last challenge that he has for us is to stay in God's word. Stay in God's word. And, you know, it's interesting that he says here, he uses this picture, he says, Keep it on your lips. Keep it on your lips. Not a, not a literal, but a figurative. How do you keep this word, this truth, on your lips? He says to meditate. Let's just kind of sit with it and mull it over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, we were just on vacation with my extended family, and on my wife's side of the family, one of the, one of the things they do very well is they retell family stories. And they tell these stories, and, and I'm, I didn't even grow up with these stories, but I could tell you some of these stories. Why? Because I hear them over and 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 over again, right? And, and that's what the meditate idea is, over and over and over and over again. And I'm convinced that this is more difficult for us today than maybe at any other time in culture because of so much information that we are bombarded with. This truth here that can guide our lives is just one small component of everything that we hear. But we have to find a way to have it over and over and over again on our head and on our hearts. When I think about something being on your lips, I think it's what comes out. It's what you talk about. It's what you talk about. Um, I thought about, you know, <clears throat> guys who, or girls who, whenever you talk to them, they're always telling you about sports, you know. What are they meditating on? Well, they're meditating on this. That's what they're meditating on, you know. Sports Center, that's all they're meditating on, you know, ESPN. It's, and, and so when you talk to them, what comes out? That's what comes out, you know. I thought of someone who, you know, when they're always talking about, you know, what their money's doing and what they're doing with their money and how they're earning money, they're, they're all, that's what's always on their mind and always on their lips is what's happening in the market, you know. I thought, how do we make this something that's on our mind over and over and over and over again? And I've wrestled with this for a long time because I think anybody that knows me knows that, you know, 
more than anything, I want for myself and I want for our church that, that God's Word would guide our lives and be something that would be on our, on our lips. I've tried all different kinds of things. If you've been around here a while, you know I'm, John's always suggesting something new to you know, try to hide God's Word and hold on to it and get it sunk, sunk deep inside. And, and I've realized some things I've suggested really, I don't know that that was a great idea. And, you know, I don't know if you know it, but it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible to read the Bible through in a year. It doesn't say that anywhere. You'll never find any place in the Bible that it says to read the Bible. I don't know if you know that. It doesn't say it anywhere. But it says meditate on it. It says hide it inside your heart and your mind. And so what are we going to have to do to hide it inside of our hearts and our minds? Well, I can only tell you what I'm trying now, and it's a constant experiment for me. Um, but I'm trying something now that seems to have had some traction for me. And, you know, one of the things I do is I set my phone. I love having a timer on my phone. I set my phone for like 10 minutes, and right now I'm reading in the book of Mark, and I take a section, you know, it could be three verses or six or seven verses. I set my phone for 10 minutes, and I read that passage for 10 minutes. I don't keep reading and reading. I read that same passage for 10 minutes. You're like, 10 minutes? That's a long time, you know? Yeah, I read it. I think, well, what about what would that word mean? I wonder what's happening there. What's going on there? What's going on there? And I just over it and over it, over it. And I think about different words and over it. And then I ask myself these two questions. I sit with these two questions, and I think for another ten minutes, I thought, why did God tell me that? Why did He have me read this verse today? Why do I need that today? <clears throat> If I believe that the creator of the universe has given me this book and it's designed to, to make a difference in my life and his spirit is alive in me, then some reason he's had me read this today, these words. And then what am I supposed to do with it? What am I supposed to do with it? James says, don't just be hearers of the word. Don't just listen to it. He said, do something with it. And you know what's amazing to me is the more I sit with it and think about it over and over again, it, it kind of comes out in my conversation sometimes. Not all the times. Sometimes. I think, I think that's what God's telling Joshua to do. Now, you have to figure out what works for you. I don't know what works for you, but you have to find a way not just to consume large, massive volumes amount of the Bible. I don't think that's what... God's calling most of us. He may be calling you to do it. I don't think he's calling most of us to do that. But I think he's trying to challenge us to find a way to get it to sink in. Sink in. Sink in. You know, maybe for you students, maybe it's something that you read in the morning and you write it on a sticky note and you put it inside your locker. How many times do you go in your locker every day at school? How many times? Lots, right girls? Lots, right? You're going in that locker a lot of times. You know, Maybe it's on your mirror, maybe it's on your desk, maybe it's on your computer, maybe it's on your phone, wherever you need to. We have to find a way for it to, us to be in it so that it can come out of us. Because that's what's going to change the way that we live. That's how this is going to guide our lives. That's how it's going to guide our past. That's how it's going to guide our steps. So stay in the battle, stay in the track, and stay in God's Word. Can't do all of them, but I want you to pick one of those. I want you to pick one of those. As we walk away this morning, as you think about it today, I want to encourage you to read through these couple verses again. 
He again says, be strong and courageous because the Lord your God is with you. Is with you. And we don't know what God has for us as we transition in this new season. But no matter what we have, if we are walking and following Him, He will be with us in the challenges that we're faced with. Would you pray with me as we close? God, you know each one of our stories. You know each one of the challenges that we're facing right now. You know the fears that if we would have taken a minute and just kind of sat and written a couple of these fears, you know what the fears are that are stirring up in our hearts as I was talking about that earlier. You know the battles we're going to face. You know the ways we're going to be tempted to get out of that track and kind of go our own way. And you know the power of your word to guide and direct and to change our lives. And so Lord, as we move into the fall and and many of us maybe have already looked at our schedules and it feels a bit overwhelming or the challenges that are in front of us, I pray that you would help us to grab hold of one of these, grab hold of the reminder of your presence with us and the truth from your word. And um, may that guide us and shape us, we pray. Help us, Lord, to do this because we can't do this on our own. In your name we pray. Amen. Johnny?